Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast, a weekly podcast where we try and figure out how to be better people um, through actual actions. My name's Michael Forrest. And I'm Ivanka Magic. This week we're talking about how to admit when you're wrong. I'm never wrong. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> so we might not be the best people for the job. But we'll certainly have a think about it. <laughs> the hypothetical scenario when we're wrong. <laughs> we'll try and think about we'll think about when we heard someone else admitting that they were wrong and how impressed we were. We will talk about the lengths to which people's cognitive dissonance can go when they're wrong, like when the idea that they can't be wrong comes into conflict with a directly observable fact. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just try and figure out what, you know, what, what does it take to swallow your pride and just uh, just go, oh, yeah, okay. And maybe what, gone. why does it matter? And why does it matter? Yeah, yeah. And why it's just systematically our politics is built on people refusing to ever admit that they're wrong to, to the point of absolute absurdity. So that's what we're talking about. Before we do that, <laughs> we've had Christmas. We've just had Christmas. Sorry that we didn't wish you Merry Christmas on, <laughs> on when the episode came out on Christmas Day. We just didn't think, we just forgot. <laughs> so, here's a belated Merry Christmas yeah. for last week. Hope you oh, and a Happy New Year, I guess. Yeah, Happy New Year. This one comes out on New Year's Day, doesn't it? I guess so. So, we need to say Happy 2019 to all of us. Happy, and I hope your hangovers dissipate soon. And that the news is better. Well, I mean, this year is the year of <laughs> March the 29th or whatever. Brexit's happening, presumably. So we've got that to look forward to. But also new season of Game of Thrones. So, you know, good. <laughs> it's good and bad. How's it going? How's it going with me? Yeah. I made lemon marmalade. I did call it lemon jam, and you pointed out that it was marmalade. <laughs> I said, so, shouldn't it be marmalade? So I checked, I looked in the book, and it, it is indeed called lemon and vanilla marmalade. It's delicious. Mm. And I've, got, I've been running again. I've been running. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And I've been paddleboarding. Yes. And I haven't fallen mm. in the sea yet. Yes. And <laughs> but I have been paddleboarding. Are you sort of in the sea? Aren't you kind of no. in the sea? Or are you you're, sitting atop a thing? Or you're standing on top of a thing that floats oh. atop the sea. And how are you, Michael? How are you doing? It's been a ups and downs. Uh, Christmas is always a bit of a challenge with the family. But also just before Christmas, I... Well, Sharon's been away and I, I didn't really know what to watch. And I came across the... Well, I'd heard about The Haunting of Hill House on... Uh, well, through Red Letter Media. But it's sort of like one of these... It's a TV series, but it's not the normal normal sort of it's more of a novel it's sort of like an eight hour film more than a you know a sort of tv series so basically i just watched this eight ten hour horror film on my own <laughs> but also one of the reasons I, I wanted to keep watching it was because I, I think i've talked about i don't know if i've talked about this on the podcast but i i you know i've had this thing where you know my screenplay writing book that i was talking about like earlier in the year so, uh, something related to that where i sort of wanted to tell my story of my sort of early years I, I just felt like there was nothing really in fiction that I could really point to 
But then the more I thought about what that story would have to be, the more I realised it would have to be a horror film, really, to work. Like, you make the stuff that was in someone's head real to tell the story. And then I was watching this and it was like, it was kind of close to the story that I would have had to do. So I was like, well, I'm just going to watch all of this so that I can, I can, um, I can get through it. But then, you know, it was just like, I, it wasn't... I had to uh, keep the podcasts on, keep the sounds going to get to sleep. Because <laughs> there's a lot of, like, creepy stuff. Like, you look, suddenly a hallway is like, uh, I just don't like that. <laughs> Looking down that hallway, I don't like. And you just kind of, like, have you shut your eyes and you're sort of thinking about all this creepy imagery that's in there. But I did, um, you know, I kind of wrote a post up on the internet where I drew all the parallels between my experience and... Um, what was in there and had actually a lot of a lot of engagement with that post so it was on a like thing about the tv show but i said look here's here's what it got because it was really about the characters as much as the horror really and how having fucked up stuff happen to you as a child how their lives you know turn out later so it was very interesting from that but then i i kind of got a few people then sort of going up telling their story and sort of going oh you know I don't feel alone having seen that you've just sort of shared this and a lot of people sort of grateful that I'd sort of been brave enough to sort of share this story but it just meant then as I was was going home I kept being reminded and seeing all these other really upsetting stories just coming into notifications on my phone for like two days and I, my conclusion, so I'm like living in this haunted thing. I'm reliving childhood experiences. I'm suddenly getting all this other stuff about drug addiction, schizophrenia, like being your mother being a danger or your father being like a danger to your life and all this stuff kind of coming through to my phone. And it, it took a bit of a toll, I have to say, just like emotionally. And it made me... And it, but my conclusion from it is... Because the idea was, you know, I, I said... You know, I write this not so much as a cathartic thing, but it was more like, okay, if I watch this, then it becomes a touchstone by which I can talk about the most damaging experience of my life. And as such, I will, perhaps I'll find a connection to a world I've always felt has failed to understand me. But my conclusion from doing that is trauma is a really bad bedrock to make a connection with another person. Right? Mm. Because you don't want to go back to it all the time. And if you build a relationship on the worst thing that's ever happened to you, it uh, that's not that's not a foundation for something that thrives in the future. That's like if if you sort of do get annoyed with someone, or if you're not sure, or if it's just like, oh yeah, but don't forget why we're together. Oh, I don't want to think about that anymore. Like there is a certain act <laughs> going back to the trauma is not. You know, it's helpful once in a while, but it's not something you want to be the foundation for something. Anyway, I've talked for ages on that. No, 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 no. It's making... I think it's uh, interesting. Well, it's more than interesting. It's a bit of a a gut punch, your story. Yeah. (laughs) That's all right. But but I think you'll think about... I mean, that's quite a lot to invite into your life. Oh, yeah. No, I always like, why am I... I don't even like horror films. (laughs) Well, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't watch any horror ever. And I think I personally don't watch any horror ever because mm. I've got real stories of horror and so I don't, I don't want mm. made up somebody else's 
men, you know, images of horror. It's like for me, reading a story is always more scary than watching a movie as well, because then I make it my version of of scary. So I plug into my own scariest things. Mm. But I mm. think inviting other people's trauma into your life is a very difficult thing to do. And if you're not, it is a job for professionals. And so, you know, like that's why mm. I think mental health nurses are like the most stressed of all nurses because they're constantly oh, yeah. dealing with other people's mental health. It's, it's rough. It's, it's, very, it's very rough. rough. And, you know, I wouldn't have done, done it unless I felt strong. It's a shame that I had to do it while Sharon was away because I, did, I needed to watch something that she wouldn't want to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was something else that I wanted to watch, but I was like, ah, oh, she'll enjoy this too much. I can't watch it on my own. I'm going to wait. Right, okay, right, I guess right. I'm watching the horror thing. <laughs> oh, God, why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, we, uh, Nick likes watching horror, and he knows mm-hmm. to watch them when I'm not there, so that's all cool. Um, but uh, So we don't have the same problem as you. But the thing about building a relationship on something that's traumatic mm-hmm. is... I think that's a. I'd never articulated that, but it makes perfect sense, because you know if you're if you if you met if you're building a relationship around something either practical or happy or joyful, you've always got that joy to go back to, yeah. Instead of going back to something miserable, I had I did have an interesting conversation when I was travelling through the capital to go to my cousin's mm-hmm. to pick up my paper, and he's. He's only eight years younger than my late father. So we sat down Mm. and had this big conversation, but we talked about the fact that all of our family, there is lots of trauma in our family. Mm. And we talked about the fact that trauma, each of us, he he talked about, we we ended up talking about the purpose of life. And, you know, it's one of those Mm. late evening conversations with no alcohol. (laughs) We Mm. we just sat there talking about um, the purpose of life and the purpose of life being he in his you to sort of constantly work on and discover yourself mm. and understand yourself fully but we talked about that in the context of trauma and how these traumatic events are catalysts for self-discovery you can't mm. you know people who have experienced trauma really end up being shoved into self-discovery because you've got no mm. choice yeah. in order to come out of it so he he was viewing them as a yes they're horrible but they've probably done us all some you know like in that, in that sort of optimistic viewing back they've done yeah, us all yeah, a favor yeah. but you know, yeah. you know you know I guess I wouldn't have it any other way <laughs> Should I admit that I was wrong to tell that story? No, you were not wrong. <laughs> okay. So, um, 
let's uh, talk about how to admit when we're wrong. Have you have you have you done it? Uh, yes, I have. I have. I have. Okay. My name's Ivanka, <laughs> and I have admitted that I am wrong. <laughs> what did it take? Uh, probably. Uh, so I was thinking. I was. I was trying to think of specific examples, and I can't mm. right now. I, like, can't, I can't. I can't either. <laughs> I'm just like, what, what have I ever? Because you sort of. <laughs> but I do know that I have these conversations with Nick. I think it's important in my 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 marriage for mm. my for both of us our ability to go yeah I know I thought that but I was wrong and now mm. that I know and it's probably said in that slight that tone look I'm sorry but I was wrong I thought that this mm. was true but it was not true and now I'm wrong so it might be something like I had this idea for the day and I yeah. totally messed up everyone's day because I thought that this was happening and it isn't or whatever yeah. or that the child would enjoy this but she didn't or I don't know whatever it might be so I, I definitely use the phrase I know I know I thought I know I thought that and I know I said that but I was wrong I think the most often it happens is when I'm when something's happening with in my relationship where like I know myself well enough that I think it's while it's happening I'm simultaneously reacting to a thing but also at the same time saying look I know I'm wrong I I know I'm wrong I just but I I I'm still upset until I kind of have to work through this t- until I internalize the fact this fact that I know that I'm wrong to have jumped to this conclusion I know it intellectually from experience this has happened so many times but i'm you're still going to feel bad for a while while i Get treat you it. as though i believe it you know so i think that's the most the most current common occurrence of it for now it's like i'm sorry i know i'm wrong like i i say it angrily you know like i i know i'm wrong i'm sorry but there's that sort of like all or nothingness sometimes of if you have to admit that you're wrong about one thing it's sort of like that's admitting that you're just a bad person you know I think when you're sort of under pressure or not feeling so great and I think that's the sort of fear with admitting you're wrong it's like okay well if I'm wrong about that then I'm just a bad person or I'm just a wrong person there's something about having a wrong quote-unquote emotional reaction to something Mm. is it's very difficult because when we talked about the title of this episode, I wasn't really thinking about the, like incorrect emotional responses. Like, yeah, no. really, emotions can't just they can't be wrong. They are how <laughs> you feel. There's really yeah. not a lot you can do about it. Uh, yeah. As you grow older, or you become more self-aware, or you work on yourself, or whatever it is, you may yeah. learn that that reaction is not necessarily a positive one, and you may be able to work yeah. on yourself to have a different positive reaction. Blah blah blah. So I don't think about that in terms of wrong. They, I think you can think of it. I personally, well, I won't tell you know. This is where I refer to my therapy. I, me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about the fact that the way I react to something is not doing me any favours, that it's nothing, it's something I can change, but the other person can't change. Mm. Um, So that kind of like, whatever happens, all you can ever change in your life is your own reaction to something. And I definitely am far from good at this. Mm. I'm just... I can watch myself be a mentalist. <laughs> That's probably a bad word to use. But, you know, I can watch myself react to something. Oh, you just don't... It's not necessarily a waste of energy. It's not doing anything <laughs> positive. What are you doing? 
and it's like i need to take a deep breath but then then if i lose this reaction to things is this changing who i am fundamentally mm. you know if mm. i'm not the person that loses their temper over some this type of stuff mm. am i then a different person i you know i have all these kind of crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. thought processes so yeah so often admitting you're wrong is admitting is admitting to once you start connecting it to belief it's it's there's quite a lot at stake there's quite a lot of your identity at stake sometimes if you sort of have a belief and then you've been accumulating evidence that supports that belief let's say you believe in ghosts right right and then now you're sort of looking around you're kind of seeing evidence for ghosts and something that you can't quite explain is suddenly evidence for that and and uh, i will give you specific examples after i just finished watching that horror tv series i i was like i'm just gonna go and have a nice warm bath and then i had this whole thing i was sort of having uh, like lit a couple of candles turn the lights off have the ipad so i can watch something and then um like the wi-fi starts going out and i'm like what's happening and then i'm like and then it's going this is the wrong wi-fi password and you start to get that kind of horror kind of reaction to it but then and it's like it's okay michael <laughs> you just it's there's nothing magic happening no one's broken into your house and changed your wi-fi password and then above me this candle just explodes and like falls onto my shoulder like hot wax on my shoulder and i'm like getting this wax off i'm going Fuck, i did not want to have a haunted bath right now and it was my own fault because i'd left like a, it was like the last of a candle but i'd left a really long kind of match and it, you know it was one of those ones where it's like the flame is all big because yeah. you've got the thing all wonky in it so i like i knew why it was perfectly rational but i was like i mean I, you can see how people can get into that superstitious mindset so easily it doesn't take much to start seeing evidence everywhere that you're like literally like you know the next thing i did after watching this horror film there was evidence everywhere for supernatural activity i really had to be like michael have a word with yourself do not entertain this it's funny (laughs) don't be scared but you know what i mean it's like you uh, there's that there's that uh, confirmation bias for mm. example that that can really leave you with a lot of evidence towards a belief that then it's very it's gonna, it gets harder and harder to admit that you're wrong that um, well maybe ghosts don't exist maybe my house isn't haunted you know. the emotions and right or wrong emotion reaction things is that 
I also think in this world where... Because we're talking about this in the context of the world now. So somebody who voted a particular way, we believe that they're wrong. And I do this. It's like they go, oh, but they're worried about immigrants. Like, well, there are no immigrants where they are. they are. Why are they worried? That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous worry. It's ridiculous that they should be having that emotional reaction to immigrants. When, you know, I'm not giving their emotions the same respect I give my own, <laughs> which is like just to dismiss them. I think where I am most often most wrong is being dismissive of other adults' emotional reactions to things. Other adults's. <laughs> yeah, well, I had a lot of being told my emotional reactions to things were wrong. But it doesn't, <laughs> so, it doesn't help like, at all. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not the point. No. You know, it <laughs> doesn't really make it any less no. true. So it's like, oh, don't be ridiculous. You shouldn't be afraid of this. That is just silly. You know, it's like you can't, you can't deal with emotions in that way. So I think there's that sort of wrongness. There's the emotional, the sort of the wrongness or rightness of an emotional reaction to a thing. That is an area we could probably talk about for an hour easily. There is also what you said about in the intro, which was this sort of world where we live in, where being right is so important Mm. that there is no room anymore to admit you're wrong, which is a total undermining of the idea of learning in my view. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and I I was reading on on a silly little tangential note, I was reading Pinocchio the other day. Mm. with my daughter you know the sort of the the pop culture thing that pinocchio has given us is long noses for liars but whereas the donkey ears for people who don't go to school and don't learn has been Mm. totally lost and actually i think there's quite a few people wandering around now with donkey ears (laughs) just sort of completely ignoring the the sort of value of learning things I i was talking to claire farrell from the extinction rebellion gang and she was we were talking about so the extinction rebellion has its principles uh, but it doesn't necessarily... And I was talking to her about the fact that one of the problems that came out of the... Um, I don't even know how you say it. This latest climate gathering in Poland was one of the big topics there was that still so many Polish people make money as coal miners. And until we mm. have an answer for what those people are to do for a living, if we close all the coal mines, then, you know, that's a, it's very difficult to talk to them about the the keeping coal in the ground as a way of preventing climate collapse and she's like yeah but you know we don't have the answers to that i don't have to have all these she was like do should we have all the answers to that what is wrong with saying that no we don't know we don't know the best answer to that but we need to be having a conversation about it you know standing up and just being yet another sort of arrogant political type who claims to have the answers to every question isn't going to help Mm. And I think that's an that's a sort of an a, a, I think this idea of being right all the time is a, you've correctly identified or highlighted the fact that that's a big problem with modern times. Like, one of the uh, one of my mentees at the Think Nation thing described uh, like the House of Commons as just having like rap battles. They'll just oh, say rap stuff, <laughs> rap battles. It'll be like, blah, 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 boom. And then yeah. the other one will be like, blah, 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 boom. And they're not listening to each other. They're no. not, no one's changing their mind. No one's doing anything. It's just like, I'm saying my thing now. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, um, yeah, no one can ever, 
<laughs> it's just completely meaningless. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. It'd be more fun yeah. if it was rap battles. If they had to rhyme as well. <laughs> <laughs> this idea that a decision you make once is right forever. It's the same. We've talked. We spoke about it last week in the subject of hiring people. When we talked about the fact that you know you, we got it wrong. We hired the wrong person, and you have to admit that to yourself. <laughs> that's Mm -hmm. hard as well you know we followed the process I've always been hiring people I think is really really hard but the sooner you can establish that you are not right for each other the better Mm. for everybody the least stress for everybody and I think in a work context often you've spent thousands of pounds hiring somebody yeah and you're gonna have to admit to someone else your superiors that you were wrong yeah and, that, and that's going to go on your record, you know, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like, or whatever, you know, and it's really, you've got to be praying for a boss who has previously made a poor decision <laughs> and yeah, admitted like, it to themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that can take many, you going up and going, you know, that thing I did, I was wrong. It was wrong. I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. What can we do now? How do we unfuck it? There can be no progress without accepting error. If you were to just only... Like, the way Donald Trump can't even admit that he misspoke halfway through a sentence, he'll say completely the wrong word, but you just see it sort of as he's speaking. He'll kind of misread something and then just double down on it. Yeah, yeah, And it's just absolute nuts, that kind of mentality. Well, it's that whole, if I Um, keep, you know, I'm going to keep repeating this until it becomes true... It's like jazz. It's like improvisation. If you play a wrong note, you then have to repeat the wrong note so that everyone thinks it was the thing you wanted to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not to throw him under the bus, but I did see my dad do a, a real, like, habitual can't admit a mistake yesterday when it was like he went to my stepmom, like, he, like, held up some wrap, wrapping paper and sort of went, this needs to go upstairs. And she went, I'm not taking that upstairs for you. And he went, I wasn't asking you to take it upstairs. And I was like, <laughs> I mean that. You. Know, I mean. I. I, <laughs> I mean that would have been. That was quite a black and white. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Force of habit. Admit vulnerability. Admit a mistake. But just not just. Uh, just reflexive denial of reality. Just from and on such a small thing. It was. So it's, it's tough when you're in the habit as well. And but what is it? What is that? What is that shell that it gives you to never be wrong? What does Trump? What does Trump and my dad have? What do they get from that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> my dad ever. Hit, I'm so sorry. I was with tongue in cheek. I did I showed my stepmom how to sort of sort out the podcast on her phone properly yesterday. So it's <laughs> a chance. Chance she's going to hear. Just going to listen. Um, I. I say I do this with love, but I did just compare you to Trump. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I don't know what is it. I don't know ego. Confidence. It's like if it's power. There's a power that comes with. Oh, the Pope is infallible. You know, is is it like is it power or is it insecurity or is it? It's just a coping mechanism. I'm not going to deal with. I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to change because I've I've got I've got something that works, and I'm not willing to adjust it because it's kind of getting me through the day. 
I think it's the feeling of, you know, on the subject of feelings, the feeling of mm. being wrong or making a mistake isn't nice. Sucks. And really, I mean, I, this week we went, I went to a supermarket with my, you know, three-year-old daughter and she was playing with a bag of sugar that we were, uh, that was supposed to be in the trolley. And I was like, be careful mm. with that. You know, don't drop it. Anyway, she threw it a few mm. times and eventually the bag split open and it spilled yeah. sugar all over the floor. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, we're going to have to go and find somebody now to help sweep it up. And she went, don't tell them I was naughty. <laughs> because it's not, it's not she's just like, don't tell them. <laughs> I didn't either say she was naughty or not. I said, let's go and find somebody who can help us clean it up. So I went and cleaned it up. And then the lady said not to worry. She dropped bags before and... You know, obviously this is the first time it ever happened, so she had no idea of, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you tell a small child that if you keep throwing that on the floor, it's going to break. Mm. Is it? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Let me, prove, thing Let me of... investigate this theory of yours, mother. <laughs> um, Sometimes you can't be told. There's a lot of things I think I, I, I'm just bad at being told stuff. I kind of have to try it. I think a lot of us, we have to try it, experience yeah. it for ourselves. Yeah, and I, I think that's 100% true. Some of us are better than others. You know, there's like, look, I'm not telling you this because I don't love you. I'm telling you this because it saves you a lot of bother if you just believe me when I tell you that that bag of sugar is going to smash all over the floor if <laughs> yeah, you keep throwing exactly. it. Everyone wants to feel confident and happy, don't they? That they know what they're mm. doing, that they... These are some sort of ideas that we all strive towards. Well, you, you need your... You have your sort of apparatus, you have your sort of mech suit that you walk through the world in. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to visualise it. Which I kind of, I think I sort of backlash against that. I don't want to have to wear a, like a a mask of kind of hiding behind something when I deal with the world. I just want to be who I am. And I, but then that's a very, I think that's a very exhausting way to live when you kind of talk to a lot of different people. When you don't have the suit, when you don't have the, the sort of facade going it's just I think it's more difficult so then you protect the facade yes I think the 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 facade is an important thing that's sort of like what you who you choose to present yourself as during a day or what Mm. you're trying to do thing is the bit that takes time to construct (laughs) an effort to maintain and the reason that this keys in is because you can't show any you have your doubts you have your oh yeah things that don't quite add up, but you sort of remove those from the facade. The facade it knows, yeah, <laughs> confident, yeah. the confident you knows the answers to all of those questions, even if you you know might privately not be quite sure anymore. What you've what you've really made me think I will join up is that you know we've had these conversations before now where when I take on some sort of project that I really want to see through, I'll, I will push through to the point of being covered in hives, you know, crying to and from work, um, just generally not functioning anymore as a, as a physical human being, but <laughs> maintaining the job, the job must be delivered. Um, I was talking with my cousin about this on, a, on my evening of philosophical Mayich chats, and uh, mm. he was talking about the fact that, you know, in no sorts of circumstances. He, he decided that we had a sort of DNA defect because we're like my grandfather and that we're all, we all have a bit of this, like, must work, must deliver, must finish. Mm. But it was like, to what end? So it's not... It's mm. kind of a, a, a slightly different variation on being wrong. It's like, 
how much is it costing you to maintain the idea that you're right? Yeah, yeah. And it's quite when incredible you're not. the lengths people will go to. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, you've got to look at the energy in, energy out. Like, yeah, it's, like, it's like, you. yes, you are maintaining this idea that this project can be delivered in the way that you've envisioned it or set out to mm. do it. But how much is it costing you physically to do that? Yeah, like the, I can do this, I can make this happen. You have to cement that belief and then, you know, admitting that you couldn't is the same feeling right yeah yeah absolutely and it's like mm. you know we were talking about the fact that for me to leave canonical my mother and husband almost staged an intervention <laughs> like it's like no so what but so what was it that actually helped you do it on your own and not have to have the intervention i remember at the time having three reasons <laughs> <laughs> but the one that has stuck with me is the fact that when we cause we got that uh, the ubuntu phone to the consumer electronics show in vegas one of the biggest electronics right. shows in the world right. immediately followed by mobile world congress in barcelona two major launch pads and yeah. we'd done we were ready we did it it was my approach i 100 percent take it but i came up with the idea of using three main user stories that we would drive all delivery to so we used agile techniques epics blah blah yeah. blah there were 200 of us engineers we ran agile we ran you know developers talking to designers nobody being blah 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 and we did that and everyone was delighted mm. and then as soon as we delivered it canonical wanted to revert to the previous model of delivery of software okay i was like i've been trying to do that for four years it's nearly fucking killed me mm. i've just delivered a mobile phone demo not on my own with engineering leads, with everybody, we've just done this in eight weeks. It's mm. almost impossible. And you want, you're going to just hand over all that to a VP of engineering. Mm. Oh, fuck that shit. <laughs> I can't, I don't know what else I need to do to prove that this way works better. So, you know, so that was really, I thought, I can't, I can't, I'm not, I can't do anything. It's like you need that proof you need to be convinced. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, nothing could say, because it was like, everybody was praising me. Yep, you delivered this, you stood up to, you know, even things like upfront, right, we're going to agree now what hardware we're delivering, we're doing these demos on. We're mm. going to, you know, I, I, I drove to all the decisions that made it happen. Everybody knew that was true. Yeah. And yet they were all looking me in the eye going, yeah, yeah, no, that's brilliant. Now we're going to hand it back to VP of engineering. Mm. So, I can't anyway so that was fun <laughs> there so were a couple that, of yeah yeah you need that irrefutable yeah it was for me it was irrefutable evidence that that actually all along the way I'd been doing it had been wrong when mm. I was allowed to do it in a way that I thought was right I could prove that it was right there was nothing left to discuss mm. it is irrefutable proof it was that yeah. for me data I mean I think I'd be a funny user researcher if i didn't believe in data um but but there is that point where you go yeah you know like the evidence i have before me suggests that we can't do this again because it's wrong mm. um, and i was wrong to let it go on for mm. as long as i did
let me tell you about I'll try and keep it brief but I'll tell you about how I uh how I as a teenager admitted that God didn't exist and that the soul is not a kind of magical thing that exists outside the physical body <laughs> right Wow, profoundness. Yeah, yeah. So I was raised I was raised a Catholic and there was a lot riding on that. Like, if I'm ever going to see mummy again, I've got to be a good boy so that I can go to heaven where she is. You know, there was all that. Like, it was really, like, deeply ingrained in there. So I did, I just, you know, I embraced it wholeheartedly. <laughs> to, to the, and I did find it a bit weird that, like, my, you know, I was a Catholic, but then it was like, oh, well, we'll go to this Baptist church and then when we move house, we'll go to this method. I'm like, well, shouldn't I be going to a Catholic church? But then it was very hard to get my dad to come with me to a Catholic church, surprisingly enough. But anyway, so, I, you know, I even I, I read the Bible every day. We got given this Gideon Bible at school and I used to read that every day. I just anything I knew, anything that anyone had told me about how to kind of do well in the eyes of God I was I was trying to do and you know as I sort of reached my teens I what finally swung me was reading some stuff this I mentioned it before great mambo chicken and the transhuman condition reading all this stuff about the transhuman condition and starting to see people talking about because there's this eternal life thing and they make you recite it as well. Like I went to this sort of scouts type thing, but a bit more religious when I was younger. And you had to like recite this line. And it's all about if you're a good person, you'll live forever. And, and that's kind of like, this is why you're doing it, because you want eternal life. And the more I thought about it, I was like, well, no one ever really visualizes what that actually looks like. So no one really has answers to those questions of what heaven is supposed to be. There's an awful lot of detail about the punishment side, but very little detail about the heaven side. And and then if it is about living forever, it seems like science has a pretty good idea on doing that, if as much as religion does. So I, I needed to sort of match the promises of religion to an alternative before I could go, OK, and then ultimately, I kind of let myself switch across, switch off the religion by saying, look, well, this is a test. In 20 years, if we have artificial intelligence that is indistinguishable from a person, then that's proof enough that the soul does not exist separate from the body. And then I'll know. Whereas religion doesn't give you anything like that. It doesn't give you an experiment that you could do. It doesn't give you any. It just kind of tells you that you have to have faith and everything is about, oh, don't be a doubting Thomas. Just like have faith in it. And I think that's feeding into this plan I've got now. It's like when you need something as big as the beliefs that you're abandoning to sort of transfer to. So you can't kind of go from a big, big belief to just a part of another belief you kind of need something that matches it in size so you don't feel like you're losing everything in the process of admitting that all of this stuff you believed was not true. Hmm. To admit to yourself or to accept or, or to no longer believe that you are right or that your beliefs are right, this in-between, I think that's one of the problems of the admitting you're wrong. <laughs> it's like hmm. admitting you're wrong without having a step forward. Yeah. That, in that bit which could last two seconds or could last a lifetime mm. it's really dark yeah. because you don't know how to move forward I think in my personal relationship with religion for example I never had I had a very superficial childish relationship with the concept of God and and the Bible and Jesus I never had proper 
religious education. So therefore, they were they were childhood stories more than anything. So there was mm. never a firm and around. But you know, and and for my father's death. The, the Catholicism bit was more. I knew that we needed to perform all the, have all these rituals performed for him because he had been brought up a strict Catholic and he was terrified right. of right. not. He was ter- he was fed into Catholicism by terror, and he right. that was one thing he refused to give his children. So mm. for me, letting go of religion or existing as this nebulous thing that floats in my head is very much philosophical rather than mm. belief. So that's not a, not the comparable thing to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. For yeah. me... It doesn't have to it, be about religion. It's just the... No, no, but, but I think for most people, I think people can associate religion very easily with the prof- profound existential questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas for me, the areas where I... I it, it takes me time to... At the moment, I'm trying to decide whether I should stay a member of the Labour Party. Mm. You know, that's a big... <laughs> It's a big thing for me because I'm like, actually, <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on with these people? We you know, need our own one. Was, we need our own well, new one. Well, this is one. I think there is so much room. One of the things from what you were talking about last week, where you were talking about, you know, if you start making decisions around specific, like, how do we want education to work like this? Fuck Labour versus Conservative. Yeah. None of that. Well, how should our approach to climate change be? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, we're living in this village here in Croatia at the moment mm. um, for this week <laughs> where mm. the mayor is independent of political parties. It's a very small village that in the summer has 10,000 people, in the winter, 1,200. Mm. 109 children in this village, including my child, each of them got a present from Father Christmas, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote, and it wasn't some shitty pound shop thing. Mm -hmm. You know, they were age-appropriate, gender-neutral, a drawing board she got that's Mm. a whiteboard on one. She's played with it every single day. Mm. It's a nice quality present. There's nothing in the, in Croatian politics that says all these two, you know, like that's not ideological. That's let's give every child a present because we can. Mm. And each child will have the same present and it'll be caught. We used to get that in communism. Right. We got them for new year, not Christmas. Um, And grandfather Frost delivered them. Um, but the same sort of thing happened then, and it's obviously something they've retained. I don't know whether it's this village or the country in general. But, you know, like, these things don't matter. So you have these... Sorry, I went off on a tangent about politics, but I think that's really important at the moment. I think, you know, where... I know you've brought up this concept at the very beginning of the podcast, she says, pointing to her left, because that's where the start is. <laughs> but, but, but we talked about the fact that actually these political parties is a very... out. It's, I don't think it works. No. I really don't, no. and I don't know. You just get people that are good at politics and you just get people that think in terms of politics, which and is And they do rap wars, uh, rap battles, rap battles. In, in House Commons. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, they say, all like you brought up the, the just before podcast, just off podcast, mm. um, you brought up this, what Hillary Clinton said about refugees. Yeah, yeah. So, so Hillary Clinton says that the EU leaders need to say they can't help refugees in order to quell populism. It's That's pure politics, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, In order totally. for the Tell appearance to, yeah. of, you know, and whether or not that's 
appeasement, <laughs> sort of like Neville Chamberlain appeasement sort of advice there. I couldn't disagree more with her, you know? No, well, it's, it's also the same. It's not, no different, really, to Dominic Cummings and his whole... You don't need to worry about the real reasons I think the EU are wrong. You mm. just worry about migrants. Just worry about and the perception against, and the... You know, there's just so many things at the moment that are about pretense and perception mm. and convincing people and selling ideas and propaganda and all these words that maybe they've always been around I don't even know or care the mm. point is that we are becoming I think as a whole humans are becoming too educated to suck up this shit anymore mm. it's no longer a very small percentage of people who can read and write most of us can read or write Mm. Or read and write. <laughs> read or <laughs> at least one of the two. <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> mm. But you know, it's like it's like come on. It, it's I was listening to that Martha Lane Fox edited Today program podcasting. I had to do the listen again later. But there's somebody written a book that I need to check out the, for sure. That um, about the fact that all these super rich who are sort of giving money to charity. Mm in a sort of way of convincing us that they're that, that pretending they're nice. Mm. So Mark Zuckerberg, he used as an example on the radio show, which was uh, at the same time as basically fucking us all politically, mm. announced that he was going to give X billion dollars to cure all known diseases. Right. <laughs> he actually said that, apparently. It's like, no, no, re listeners, you did hear me. He said all diseases and it's like mm, just pay your fucking taxes pay and let us all decide taxes. pay let your us taxes decide. let's vote let's decide if we want good education for all or we want you know great education for a small percentage of very rich people and shitty education for everyone else because those are the choices so you know i think it's a so so in a world of you know i think again slowly you know slowly over the course of of being on this podcast with you I've learned a couple of things about myself one is that actually the climate and women's equality or equality are my two main issues I've refined down to that the other thing is that I'm slowly coming to terms with and it pains me because I can't see the next way out and how much it will cost us is that we need some sort of new version of politics mm. that's less full of politics. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's probably taken you a year to help my brain sieve this through, but I'm beginning to accept that I might be wrong about the current political s structures. <laughs> Maybe it's not about rap battles. <laughs> So James O'Brien, back to the subject of admitting that you're wrong. So he will... Some, he says... Um, I watched him on Richard Herring as well. He said the, the, only, the only criteria he has of who gets let through as a caller is confidence, is if, you know, if they're going to sort of mumble and you know, not really have a point, then it's not good radio. But these people ring in and it's amazing because they will talk around the houses about the fact that they're worried about immigrants up until he sort of like pins them down and says, basically, it's immigrants. Um, and they'll say the most ridiculous things when he says, well, what? 
what are the EU doing? Which they're like, we just want to make British law. We want British law. And he goes, well, what British law don't we have now that isn't the law? Well, it's uh, three pin plugs. And he, he goes, well, we're in the EU and we have three pin plugs. And they go, and he goes, I'm sorry, but you've just gone on national radio and said you voted leave because you want to keep three pin plugs, which no one has ever said anything about not having. Would you still vote leave now? Yeah, 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 of course I would. And he'd be like, and there you have it. There's that cognitive dissonance can get taken so far, even when it's but the thing is with James O'Brien's way of talking to these people is it's all about being right <laughs> which right. is is fine like he will be right at people uh, but that obviously doesn't work to convince people in the moment right no so it's kind of uh, maybe later they'll sort of reflect a bit more and realize but if you just prove someone wrong to their like if you directly just are right at someone it doesn't even work it doesn't work that's not how you change someone's mind no. in the moment this didn't this wasn't supposed to start as me criticizing any criticism of james o'brien I, I think what he's doing is great and and i hope that some of the people i, I didn't hear it as a criticism okay yeah, yeah but but just actually in terms of convincing people it's it, you can just repeat their utter contradiction back to them and there's nowhere to go and they still at that moment are incapable of changing their mind somebody else can't tell you you're wrong mm. you have to realize that you're wrong mm. you, it has to be an, an admission of wrongness yeah. it has to be a realization of wrongness and in order to do that you have to be listening to yourself both yeah. you know literally what did yeah. i just say <laughs> and you know actually you know feeling the words so it's got to be you that's doing the talking and listening not your your mech suit mm your construction that you've created you've actually got to go hang on a minute but yeah it has to come from inside so then the one the one caller that that did like it's just heartbreaking the one guy that that i saw that did ring in and say look i voted leave i was in the military it was just accepted that if you were patriotic then you vote leave i thought we'd stay in but i just wanted to be able to say well i didn't vote for this and now he's saying, look, I, once I admit it, I've apologised to my son for what I've done, right? It is a huge thing to admit because suddenly it's, you've got to see that you've done something awful to the people you care about. So it's, that's, that's the defence, that's the shield that you have to put up because you, you didn't think it was a big deal. And actually a lot of stuff, are crimes, mistakes... In yeah. the moment, might not seem like a big deal. Oh, I'm just going to put them there. Uh, fuck them. Leave. Yeah. Might not seem like anything because you've just not really been thinking about it or you're just not aware of the, the consequences. It's con- yeah, I, was, I wrote down consequences <laughs> just before you said it. But yeah, consequences is a massive part of the realisation. Yeah, yeah. And having to take responsibility for a mistake. And this is this isn't just voting leave I, I just think like a life-changing mistake can happen in the blink of an eye yeah and it's it might not be entirely your fault but there's something about taking responsibility for a mistake that i don't know is it cruel to say that most people are incapable of well judging by current politics you know a government can't take responsibility <laughs> for a mistake you know we are a country an actual country 
that doesn't know how it's going to function, has no plan for how it's going to function as of the 29th of March 2019, which is in denial, like 96 days away or something. I mean, it's just, I don't want to think that people are incapable. Well, if we think I, about that, then that's, yeah, like, how, but how do too, we... That's too depressing. I can't handle it. What do we do? How do you let people be wrong and sort of keep their pride or keep hope, you know, not just be depressed? Because, like, if you just take away a belief and don't replace it with something of equal size, then everyone's just going to be fucking sad. latest favourite person in the world is Greta Thunberg as we've, mm. we've discussed in Greta most episodes Thunberg recently Greta, Greta Deborah Francis White you know the list goes on um, but but uh, the whole Greta Thunberg Extinction Rebellion thing is about the fact that the politicians are not accepting the the brokenness of the climate and until they do, until they... Because her big thing is, like, what we have now isn't working. It's doing nothing to fix the things. Mm. We need a change of structure. That's why they're doing the whole civil disobedience thing. That's why they are trying to get everything uh, higher up on the news, trying to get people to just keep keeping on at it in a way that's not about going to the polls and voting. It's about... No, something needs to change today. But, mm. but, and she sits there, she goes, you know, you say you love your children, they're the most precious thing in your life, and yet you're not admitting that you're, you're, you're severely impacting on their survival. Mm. I've also seen uh, articles that talk about the fact that one of the reasons it isn't top headline on the news is because it would create panic. But well, I mean... That's what's needed sometimes. <laughs> it's like, 
Okay, panic probably isn't necessarily what we're after, but action certainly is. I saw this very um, the, this this interesting little Twitter thread on her um, Twitter because she she was on CNN and she said first you need to get angry and then you need to take action because hmm. it was like what do you tell people they should do they should get angry and they should take action it's like and then there was other people going oh anger is a really difficult word and it like invites <laughs> violence and it's like, violence, it's violence. like you know I agree with everything you're saying but you know anger is very it's like some sort of like here's um, the thing like we're not going to start decapitating people no life is we know life is in a better place than it's been in yeah. many ways, poverty, um, education. education, all these things are, have been on the up for a long time. So it's it's much harder to revolt now in a responsible way because you're sort of like, it, the, you, we're up that hierarchy a lot more, the, yeah. the hierarchy of needs a lot more. And it's like, how do you smash everything but without smashing the stuff that's good? How do you have a revolution that is confined to the top three parts of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? You know, <laughs> but but I think that's what that's what's wrong with Brexit is because it's not yeah. at the top three. It's fucking the yeah, whole they, lot. They, they don't people are, are attacking the foundations for something that's actually kind of a lot higher up. Yeah, totally. But I think I think that's what the. I mean, even if you look though at the tactics of the Extinction Rebellion, they're like mm. we're not. You know, they are not about like the drone thing, the Gatwick mm. drone. There was a bit of like, oh, maybe it was the Extinction Rebellion. They they gave out a, a statement like, no, that is not what we do. We do like when they did all the stopping of the bridges in London. They go, mm. they stop the road for five minutes. They get out of people's way. People need to go around about their yeah. business. Even when you do your WWF carbon footprint questionnaire, it counts your flights that you do not for work. Mm. If you have to fly in order to earn a living to feed your family, that we don't count that. What we're mm. counting is your frivolous burning of carbon you know yeah. filling the atmosphere with carbon how do you know when you're wrong it's probably your stomach feels a bit sick maybe <laughs> how do you know like there's that moment it's like i might be wrong and you go no and then something else has to probably happen to make it kind of flare up a little bit more and you're like uh-uh. Like, first you have to know that you're wrong before you can admit that you're wrong. It's possibly not too dissimilar <clears throat> than when you are right about something bad. Mm -hmm. Here's my explanation for that statement. <laughs> so, the idea of Brexit fills me with dread. Yeah. <laughs> dread to a point that makes me feel sad, occasionally makes me wake up in the middle of the night. It makes me sit there and think... I get this sort of sinking feeling in my stomach of, you know, I do live in, you know, the world's top five richest economies or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Surely they're not going to let us run out of food. And then this other voice in my head goes, but we don't grow enough food. <laughs> and we have to, we're an island. Somebody's going to have to sail it in or fly it in. Yeah. And we've got no international agreements for sea or air and we've got no ability to process lorries oh, and we've got oh, no like fuck what if there's food shortages what if there's food maybe I should start s storing some food oh no no I feel a bit sick oh no 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 I must be I can't, surely no I'm wrong I'm wrong I'm wrong mm. and then I feel sick again and I feel a sort of sinking feeling and then I go 
Yeah, but if, you know, I lived in Yugoslavia and mm. nobody thought there was going to be a war. Mm. You know, political observers, we all kind of had, I wasn't surprised in a sort of shock horror, but you still sit there going, no, surely not, no, we're civilised people. Why would we do that to ourselves? We're not like that anymore. We're surely better than that. And then there was a war and lots of people killed each other and themselves and by... Oh, it's just... It does Before happen. the First World War, people believed they were like, I think we're, war is over, right? There was a belief. People thought that they were at the end of all of the, all of the stuff and it was the worst than it had ever been. So there's been this sort of like complacency almost this belief that we've reached a pinnacle that we couldn't fall back from and there is evidence in the past that that belief was false and they had no idea of what industrialized slaughter looked like and we're walking into something that we don't know what it's going to be we're ignoring history it's right to be afraid (laughs) I think it is. And so so I think the same, by the same way that I can't persuade myself not to worry, there's the same technique that you use when you know you have this sinking feeling. I think for me personally, it's this sort of, it usually physically manifests in Mm -hmm. the form of a rash. So the solution to this, to me, is I think if you've got a bit of practice, if you've never admitted you're wrong, the first one is going to be (laughs) bloody impossible, right? But I reckon after you've done a couple, you realise the world doesn't end. So how could you sort of put that into education? How could you put that into the education system, admitting that you're wrong? Because it's all really built around being right, isn't it? It's all built yeah, around yeah, yeah, about passing tests. And there's nothing about no, mistakes no. being forgivable. Like to the, I, I didn't, I couldn't. Like I, the first time I didn't get 100 percent on a test, it was like I burst into tears in front of the class. Like I just just because I didn't get all the ticks, I was like, what just happened? Like I was not prepared for it. Like you need to, you need some practice. You need some safe. Safe training. Yeah, safe failures. But people talk about there's so much innovation literature. It's, you know, fail fast, fail soon, fail early, faily, faily, fail, fail. The best innovators have failed, la, la, la. Mm. But then we still don't, you know, nobody looks at a CV and go, oh, this person failed their degree. Uh, Ace. Let's uh, hire them. uh, (laughs) Let's see what they learned from this experience. But there is a sort of like, okay, that didn't work that comes with experimenting either science or engineering where actually knowing what didn't work is a a step forward Mm. which makes it I think for me personally to go well that didn't work um Mm. it's a different thing to I was wrong it's like I tried something and now I see that it's a failure and you hold on to something for a while you're like oh no no it was fine and then you go no no it didn't work did it no. And then you, it's a relief. It is a relief. Admitting you're wrong because you're do, that's the thing, like you're putting a lot of energy into, like once something's false, like lying is 
a lot of energy. It's a lot of work to maintain a lie. Um, yeah. I'm terrible at it because I just can't be bothered. If not, I'm too lazy <laughs> to lie all the time. Like some people build their react, they construct a reality from lies. Uh, but that's a lot of energy in. I think maybe that the sort of carrot on this sort of like admitting you're wrong. If you just admitted that you were wrong, you would have so much energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have. You would. You, you don't realise how much energy you're putting into this. So you know, give it a go. <laughs> Yeah, but I think I think what you're saying in education, like doing, giving people the opportunity to test assumptions, and even the word assumption, I'm assuming mm. I'm right for now. You know, yeah, it's like, instead of you know, everyone goes uh, assumptions, makes an ass out of you and me yeah. and all that. You know, assumptions are a very valid way to approach discovery. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not a it's not wrong to have an assumption. It's wrong to have an untested unvalidated assumptions. It's wrong to still defend the assumption after it's been objectively proven wrong. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast to go to grandpodcast.com there's a subscribe button if you're not already subscribed where can people find you Ivanka at Ivanka on Twitter you can find me at michaelforestmusic.com and I done made all of the songs on here what else is there writing us some reviews would be great on whatever you listen to it on mm, yeah <laughs> some stars some reviews some words all of those things uh, you know send us some feedback hello at grandpodcast.com if you want to join the competition that helps you measure how good you are in a given week, yeah. email us and we'll send you details for how to log in. Mm. Uh, I think we will find that I've won again this week. Well, uh, let's have a... T- well, we're going to we'll carry that. Since we're doing a double record, we'll carry over that discussion for the next episode because I, uh, I don't know, I may have to give myself more points than I give myself, depending on the okay, outcome of a discussion. Um, All right, then. But, uh, yeah, thank- Happy New Year. Oh, yes. Happy, happy New Year. Happy New Year. And try and admit to a mistake in January. New Year's resolution. I'm going to. But, yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.